My name is Alan Carter. Welcome back to the program. Our investigative team here at Global News has an incredible story online right now that really digs into a Chinese-Canadian oligarch's real estate holdings here in this country. Some of the group's personal properties include a nearly $4 million luxury condo at the Shangri-La Hotel in Toronto and a 17,000-square-foot chateau-style mansion that was once featured in Toronto Life. All of it raises questions about foreign money driving up housing costs here in the GTA and across the country, but it is also a cautionary tale of politics at the highest level within the Chinese Communist Party, where running afoul of President Xi Jinping can have very severe consequences. Andrew Russell is our national online investigative journalist uh, writing this story. Uh, Welcome to the program. Let's begin with the uh, Chinese-Canadian billionaire at the center of the story, Andrew. Uh, Yeah, so this is a story we were looking into uh, about the disappearance of Xiao Xinhua, who was abducted from a, uh, a Four Seasons hotel room in 2017 under very mysterious circumstances. Media reports at the time showed that uh, plainclothes police officers acting on behalf of China uh, entered the hotel room in the early hours in January 2017 and then emerged a few hours later, um, pushing Zhao in a wheelchair, his head covered in a blanket and then was whisked back to mainland China and uh, hasn't been heard from since and is still, uh, we haven't heard anything about, you know, there's there's been one or two periodic reports in the last five years about a potential trial related to allegations of uh, tri- um, uh, bribery and stock manipulation, but there's been almost no official updates from China or from the Canadian government as uh, Mr. Uh, Zhao did hold a Canadian passport. Uh, this happened in Hong Kong, the uh, security agents uh, um, taking Mr. Zhao out of the hotel, I understand. But give me a sense then, um, as you look into the real estate holdings that are connected to the company that is connected to him, what what have you found there? So in the five years since, what we've uh, learned is that there's been several companies operating in the greater Toronto area that are tied to his family members. So it's not Zhao's companies directly, but it's, fam- it's uh, companies that list his family members, including his wife and brother-in-law that have been operating in uh, across the greater Toronto area, uh, two of the companies, Umexis Group and Wintermax Capital, uh, we were able to determine have a real estate portfolio that we've been able to determine, you know, at current market value could be over a billion dollars. And they've invested, you know, at least that $150 million into some of the properties that you mentioned at the top, and then also these future, these massive, massive condo projects that are being developed across the downtown and uh, in Scarborough. Uh, Even we found one project um, that's in the early initial development stage in uh, the Muskoka area. What's the legal concern that these companies that are tied to his family have such large holdings here in this country? So I think from speaking with experts, what, uh, what they told us was that there's concerns about sort of, uh, A, what you mentioned at the top, there's this, you know, that first these political concerns about sort of what happened to this Canadian, uh, this Chinese Canadian who just was all of a sudden abducted by China and we haven't heard from him or any sort of updates since. We don't even know if he's received consular visits. And then there's also a question about how he had a fortune at the time of his disappearance. He ran a company called the Tomorrow Group. It was a massive sprawling empire in all kinds of things like real estate. 
uh, banking, insurance, even mineral extraction. And it, he had an estimated uh, uh, net worth of about $6 billion. And so I guess one of the questions is, you know, where did that money go? Um, is it connected here? We weren't able to determine if it was, but I think that's some of the things that experts for us, um, it, you know, it raises all kinds of those questions that you mentioned off the top about um, some of the foreign money coming into and raising the cost of uh, real estate here in Toronto. Yeah, that, that, that's been such a huge issue for housing and for the cost of housing across the country. It's, it's odd, is it not, that, that his name is not better known in Canada? I mean, this is a man with a Canadian passport after all. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the, we spoke with a former ambassador who said that, it, you know, it doesn't matter if he, you know, he was born in China. He, you know, he holds a Canadian passport. He is a Canadian. He's a dual citizen. It's an incredibly important issue, especially amid some uh, uh, China's sort of encroachment into Hong Kong. And we know about other abductions involving and questions of uh, the Hong Kong community here in Canada, we heard from, who are concerned about um, sort of China, you know, acting with it almost impunity and just picking up the citizens who, you know, he, he has a Canadian passport, he's a Canadian citizen. And the fact that we haven't heard anything from the Canadian government um, they've just given us such, you know, almost no response, citing privacy concerns. But uh, there were some reports that he might even, you know, questions about his health situation. Um, we've heard he could be under house arrest in, in Shanghai, but it's just remarkable that after five years, we just, we don't know where he is. It's a fascinating story, Andrew. I appreciate your time. Take care. Thank you so much. That's Andrew Russell, who's our national online investigative journalist here with Global News. Check out the story online on Global News right now. Over $154 million tied to detained Chinese-Canadian oligarch invested in GTA real estate. It is worth your time. Might also be worth your time to go get some gas and fill up while you can. Here's Dan McTagg about where prices are going. I would expect 175 a liter sometime probably by the end of March, if not earlier, maybe mid-March. Uh, we're only days away from record prices uh, inflicting another heavy toll on Canadians. Uh, and of course, the reason of the price going up, as Dan will mention, is the price of crude. Oil's up $5 a barrel to about $101 a barrel. We haven't seen that number since. I'm going to go back to April 29th, 2014. With a weaker Canadian dollar, uh, look for, uh, unfortunately, a two-cent increase tomorrow to $1.60.9. And then wait for it. Probably, by the looks of right now, at least a four-cent a liter increase on Thursday to $1.64.9. That, of course, would shatter uh, the record that uh, had stood a couple of weeks ago. I think I might be using my kid's scooter to have commute to work coming up if this keeps going. I like to read the news. I don't know about you. I like to read the business section every once in a while. I flipped open the business section today. And, oh, look, here's a story all about the future of broadcast TV news. Now, by way of introduction, I also have a different uh, job. I anchor the uh, local news here in Toronto for Global between Monday to Friday, 5.30 to 6.30. I hope you can join me tonight. Uh, and so this story uh, here in the Toronto Star, there it is. Okay, look at that. Uh, it, it's talking about... Uh, the problems, the economic problems for broadcast television newsrooms, especially in smaller markets like Kingston and what will happen 
if the uh, Shaw Rogers deal goes through, Rogers takes over Shaw, and what essentially that will mean is that a whole bunch of money that, for example, would go to Global through Chorus, where Chorus is the uh, owner of Global and this uh, radio station, but controlled by the Shaw family. Complicated, I know, but uh, if the deal goes through, it looks like a, a large portion of the news budget that Global News has right now uh, will then go to City TV. Instead, we'll go to the city as well. And there is questions about, well, should the government step in and try and allocate more money to independent uh, television stations? Obviously, that has got optics problems to it. I mean, as I can tell you firsthand from being at the um, the convoy protest in Toronto, people shouting at me, well, you're paid by the government. Well, that's not true. That is not true. We don't get any government money. But it, would there be some kind of revenue sharing through the government? And that doesn't look all that good. Well, look here. Let's see. Now, here's the quote at the end of it. Business is business. This is from the Toronto Star. Business is business. And broadcast TV news looks more and more like a pretty unprofitable business. Well, that's cold. I mean, it, it's probably true. It's not that I'm saying it's wrong. It's just, it's cold. Who wrote this anyway? Oh, look. Oh, look. It's by business journalist Christine Dobby, my wife. All right. Well, that's that's going to be an awkward, awkward dinner tonight. I read your piece. Sounds good. I'm working on an unprofitable business. I like it. Thanks so much. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.